0: It's Curious City, where we take
1: your questions
0: about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore, from WBEZ. Hi, I'm Ariane Nettles, journalist and professor at Northwestern University. In 1893, legendary activist and journalist Ida B. Wells came to Chicago on a mission. The World's Fair was happening that summer, Millions of people were expected to visit, and anybody with a product to sell, a constituency to celebrate, or a message to promote wanted to be there. Prominent African-American leaders applied for space to celebrate their achievements since the end of slavery, but the fair planners denied them. So Wells traveled here to speak out. She was working with well-established black leaders like Frederick Douglass. Back then, pamphlets were a key tool in political protests and campaigns. Wells was the lead author of a pamphlet arguing that Black Americans' work be recognized.
2: In her words, They have contributed a large share to American prosperity and civilization. The labor of one half of this country has always been and is still being done by them. But there was a problem. They didn't have the money to
0: print the pamphlet.
2: Frederick Douglass had said he was going to get the funding, and he was trying the more traditional way of getting some newspapers to sponsor and all that kind of stuff, and he was having a
0: lot of problems with it. This is Michelle Duster. She's the great-granddaughter of Ida B. Wells. I just think it's funny. She's like, step aside. Let me show you how to do this. Wells went directly to Chicago's black community, from church to church, asking for money from their women's groups. And she got the money. Anti-lynching crusader... Truth teller, if you know about Ida B. Wells, you likely know about her work in the South. In the 1890s, she risked her life exposing lynchings and publishing her reports throughout the U.S. and abroad. You might also know her as a co-founder of the NAACP. But Wells spent most of her adult life here in Chicago. It's where she got married, raised a family, and also... It's where she developed new strategies to advance the cause of black equality and black power. And learning about her work here led one Chicago high schooler to send in a question to Curious City. She wanted to know, what was Ida B. Wells' legacy in Chicago? There's a lot we could talk about. She opened the first kindergarten here for black students, She fought against formalized segregation in Chicago schools, and one of the first issues she worked on was helping support new arrivals from the South. And the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association, did not welcome uh, black men. Michelle Duster again, her great-granddaughter. So there were all of these men that were coming up here who couldn't find a place to stay, so she decided to do something about it. She started the Negro Fellowship League. It began as a boarding house, but it became so much more. It placed people in jobs and hosted political meetings and social gatherings. Wells was hoping that middle and upper class black Chicagoans would fund the Fellowship League. But she never got enough to keep it running. So she paid for it herself. She got a job as a probation officer during the day and ran the Fellowship League at night. But arguably, her biggest legacy in Chicago is how she built political power among black people, particularly black women. In 1913, Wells founded Chicago's first suffrage organization for black women, the Alpha Suffrage Club. Soon after, women, black and white, did get the right to vote in Illinois, but it was limited. They could vote in presidential elections and some local elections, but there were some offices, including US senators and representatives, that they couldn't vote for. And while the universal suffrage movement was gaining momentum, not everyone was
1: welcome at the table. There were white women who were very upset that black men had the right to vote, but white women didn't.
0: Annie Logue is president of the League of Women Voters Chicago. She says Black women also got resistance from Black men. There were some Black
1: men who thought that if Black women could vote, that would dilute their power, that would make them weaker. Ida B. Wells, she made the point that if Black women could vote, that would strengthen the power of the Black electorate. So she started organizing and educating Black women. In
0: the 1915 election, those women had the opportunity to vote for a Black candidate
1: for alderman, Oscar DePriest. There had never been a black alderman. She did an enormous amount of work to get Chicago's first black alderman elected through basic civics education, explaining to people why this local government position was so important, and also just doing the basic nuts and bolts campaigning, you know, knocking on doors, telling people why it mattered, um, and really motivating the electorate. And the work
0: paid off, Oscar De Priest won and became the city's first black alderman. And according to Wells' autobiography, it's because a third of the votes he received were from women. And so, when universal suffrage was finally ratified in 1920, Wells had already showed that black women were a powerful voting bloc. That's true to this day. For the rest of her life, Wells put her time, money, and energy into city politics because she believed Chicago was the place black people could make real gains. As she once wrote,
2: On only one spot on this broad United States have colored citizens demanded anything like adequate political recognition. And that one spot is Chicago.
0: Today, a century later, the work that Wells began continues. Black Chicagoans still suffer from inequitable housing economic opportunities, and education. But many victories have been realized. For one, black women now hold the most powerful seats of local government. Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox.
2: We take for granted, particularly right now in 2019, where you have you know, an African-American woman mayor, an African-American woman county board president, African-American lieutenant governor, African-American woman state's attorney, uh, that this is the natural order of things. But it has taken a while to get here.
0: Fox is the first black woman to serve as Cook County State's Attorney. She points out that for Wells, it was always important that political movements include everybody. She was way
2: ahead of her time. There's a lot of conversation about diversity and inclusion right now. A lot of conversation about intersectionality right now. Ida B. Wells was at the forefront of that, at the absolute forefront of that.
0: So, in answer to our question about Wells' legacy in Chicago, there are many. Perhaps most notably, though, she empowered and mobilized black people, and especially black women, to claim political power. But for decades, a now demolished Bronzeville housing project was the only major city landmark to bear her name. This year, that changed. Congress Parkway was renamed Ida B. Wells Drive, making Wells the first black woman to have a downtown Chicago street named in her honor. The sign-unveiling ceremony was emotional. I was there. And as the room started to sing the Black national anthem, lift every voice and sing, I could feel the weight of this monumental moment. And now, to Fox and many others, Ida B. Wells finally has the kind of commemoration she deserves.
2: In all of the legacy that she has laid around representation and voice and truth-telling, there is something tremendously powerful about driving into the central business district and seeing her name.
0: Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. Jill Hopkins was the voice of Ida B. Wells. I'm Ariane Nettles.
1: Next time on Curious City... Start on D, ready, go. Every year, hundreds of thousands of kids in schools across America learn how to play the recorder. And inflict pain on their family's eardrums. So how did this become a thing? And why? A hint from the 1967 movie The Graduate. Are you listening?
2: Just so you plastics.
1: That's next time on WBEZ's Curious
2: City.
0: I mean, I love Jay Z and Beyonce. Don't get it twisted, but Ferdinand and Ida, black love goals. Okay. I want a boo just like Ferdinand and L. Barnett. He owned Chicago's first black newspaper, which I love, right? He was really accomplished, super smart guy. And they worked together on this pamphlet for the World's Fair in Chicago. So at the time she came to Chicago, she was just working here, but she wasn't, you know, she hadn't moved yet. You know, he was attracted to this smart, beautiful woman. Well, Ida is still traveling the world. She's traveling and speaking. She's, like, doing her really smart bad lady thing right because that's what she does so Ferdinand L Barnett Um, he knew, you know, he knew what he wanted. And so he was kind of like following her moves. He knew that if he got her to come to Chicago to work, to put in some work, because I mean, that's what, that's how you get the really smart, amazing women is that you motivate them by the things they're passionate about. And here is like the best part. So like, it was super sweet how they got together. And so they get married and now they're co-owners and she's the editor. And they're like this really cool power couple. But she just said, "Okay, I'ma have some babies," you know, and he's like, "Cool, girl, I got you. I'ma hold us down, right?" But then she had more work to be done because she's Ida B. Wells. She sees injustice. She's like, "I gotta fix it," you know. Ferdinand would like help with the kids and help cook when the house needed cleaning or the dishes needed to be done. He did it too. He did it too because they were literally partners in everything. Ugh, Ferdinand El Barnett. Who, do, who does not want a Ferdinand, okay? And I think that that's like the real story that we didn't get to talk about. I want that. I want that Ida and Ferdinand love. Somebody who loves their community enough that when I say, babe, I need to spend this check on this workshop for kids or this so-and-so, that they say, you know what? I'm down with you, boo. That's what I want.